Gordon! 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 Philip, is that you? Philip? Cooper, meet the long lost Philip Jeffries. You may have heard of him from the Academy. I'm not going to talk about Judy. In fact, we're not going to talk about Judy at all. We're going to keep her out of it. Gordon? I know, Coop. Who do you think this is there? Suffered some bumps in the old noggin, is What the hell did he say there, Albert? That speculation Dale Cooper. For God's sake, Jeffrey's hurting him. While he was there, the doctors gave him a sex change, and our parents' taxes paid for it. Fucking Ben Wyatt, right? Ben Wyatt from uh, Parks and Recreation. Have you watched that? I fucking hate Ben Wyatt, dude. And here's why, in case you don't know, he's like, he's like, he's like a nerd. Like he's like the best present that his girlfriend got him was like a big heavy replica of the throne from fucking Game of Thrones. He like sat on it and then he like was like saying Game of Thrones quotes. Um, and there was like, <laughs> it's kind of incredible when his girlfriend, Leslie Nope, who's the main character of the show is like, she like get stuff wrong about Game of Thrones or like whatever nerd shit he's into. And he'll be like, I'm just gonna let that go. And then really quickly, he'll be like, actually, I can't let that go. Here's why that's wrong. Um, and like, he's from the 90s and he has a lot of strong opinions about like REM albums. He like has a roller skating birthday party because he has a thing for women in roller skates. And um, so he has a like early 90s themed roller rink party. And they, they play Monster, which is from, like, 1995, and he gets, like, he gets all grouchy. He's like, that's not early 90s, that's mid-90s. Um, and, like, he's super into Letters to Cleo, and when they have Letters to Cleo come and play at the Horse Festival or whatever the fuck it is, um, he, like, wears his old Letters to Cleo shirt, and... It's like all like old and beat up and then he's like mouthing along all the words on the side of the stage the whole time that Letters to Cleo is playing. It's like, uh, he's just, he's, he's too close to me. You know what I mean? I feel fucking called out by the character Ben Wyatt and it brings up like, like complicated gender feelings about like, am I valid? Which I guess I should ask Tumblr if I'm valid in terms of gender, but yeah, I just, I fucking hate him because he is, he like is the embodiment of everything that I totally fucking hate about myself. And he has a point when he's talking about how like, I don't remember what was going on, but he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go watch Twin Peaks and then I'm going to go read the secret diary of Laura Palmer to learn like secret Easter eggs from Twin Peaks. And I'm like, uh, like I've, I've watched Game of Thrones and, and I'm like, into it enough to have spent fucking like 70 hours with it or whatever but I don't think of it as really my thing but Twin Peaks goes deep for me dude I don't remember the first time that I watched all of Twin Peaks and it's been a long time since I watched like TOS of Twin Peaks you know what I mean um fuck dude I hope this microphone is fucked up whatever um I haven't watched the original Series. I haven't even watched like the first episode in a long time, but um, I'm gonna spoil the shit out of it in this podcast, so get ready if you don't want to hear about it. Um, there's some stuff towards the end of the season three, which just came out. If you don't know, they took like a 25 year break. They did like two seasons, and then they did a movie, and then they did another another season 25 years later. And I've been fucking obsessed. Well, so. As you are no doubt aware, I'm driving through sort of a post-apocalyptic under, like, um, 
not underworld, it might be an underworld, I don't fucking know. But, like, there's not a lot of people around. There's ghosts in the mall where I've been living, but, um, I don't see a lot of cars. I actually, there's a car in front of me, which is a van, which seems to have been painted like the van from Scooby-Doo. That's a good move. Um, maybe it's not. What does it say? We're coming up to the side of it. Nope, it definitely says the mystery machine on it. <laughs> that's fucking incredible. Um, I have a story that I'm just about done with that's pretty long that I've been writing that um, has a character who's like, he's like, I think in his 40s and he's been a punker for forever and he talks about how he has a van that like is a police magnet which he painted to look like the van from the A-Team like 25 years ago and they didn't do a very good job with it 25 years ago and now it just like looks like shit. Man, that's a, that's a great... It's a great gag. It's a great bit to paint your van to look like a van that is fictional. Anyway, there's some stuff at the end of the, the most recent season of Twin Peaks about sort of like alternate timelines and how like in alternate timelines, uh, like things are going to be different, right? Like somebody who is like mostly very nice and positive might have had a different set of experiences in an alternate timeline and so he might like mostly be the same person um but just with uh, like grimmer you know what I mean like more willing to shoot a stranger in the kneecaps um and so I'm thinking that maybe I'm living in an alternate timeline and that's where this podcast is coming from I don't know if it broadcasts across two worlds probably Anyway, um, yeah, so fucking Twin Peaks, how to talk about this. First of all, I sort of, I, I put on Firewalk with me on a whim, so I had some time, and I didn't actually have enough time, I like shouldn't have, I didn't have time to watch the whole thing, but I did, I stayed up late, and it fucked me up, dude. It's like one of the most upsetting movies that I can think about, like no joke, I, I don't know if you can hear in my voice that I'm not my usual like chipper joyful self like maybe in this alternate timeline I'm the one who had hard oh that's dumb I'm not I like haven't actually it's hard for me to talk about having had difficult experiences in this timeline when like this movie is just about difficult experiences like if you don't know and content warning for uh incest and sexual assault like that's just what this movie is about um and so I fully understand if you don't want to watch a movie like that or listen to a podcast about that, but um, it's just, it's so brutal, and, and I have never had either of those experiences, so to some extent I feel a little bit shy about talking about it, and I guess I'll just refrain from offering, from like trying to offer insights around that that I don't have, you know what I mean, but it's fucking intense, dude, like I've been close to people, I am close to people who have had those experiences, and they're, they're not a joke. Like, that shit is not... I don't think they're good... I think you would have to be, like, a shitty, monstrous, like, white, straight dude comedian to think that it would be a worthwhile project to come up with a good joke about that to prove that you can make jokes about anything. You know what I mean? Like, fucking... I... I, I so I've been watching season three of Twin Peaks. I watched the whole way through, and it's fucking great. Like... I'm often kind of reluctant to talk about it online because there are things about Twin Peaks that are, like, totally fucked up and indefensible and, like, uh, that's just true and it, it doesn't feel super, like, I don't know, you don't need to put everything in your life on the internet and it feels like in order to talk, like, on Twitter, for example, you're sort of you know, opening yourself up to a modality of communication in which you really, like, probably, in order to be responsible, have to at least be open to entertaining those sorts of people wanting to point that out and talk about it. If you're talking about liking something, I don't know, maybe you don't, maybe you can just ignore people. It just feels like, not productive to be, like, like not super productive to talk about the fact that Twin Peaks has fucked up shit about it. Because, like, processing what's fucked up about it just feels like... Like, it's TV, you know what I mean? Like, to some extent, what did you expect with your purity politics? Um, but so, yeah, so I've been just kind of, like, privately super stoked on the new season because what it does well, it does 
fucking incredibly. Like, I um, feel like I need to go back and watch all of David, David Lynch's shit, because the things that he does well, he does really well. But, like, one of the central things that's fucked up about Twin Peaks is that um, it's got this, like, deal-breaker premise, right? It's, it's about a young woman who was sexually assaulted and murdered and, like, trying to... It's, which is, like, you know, she is the, um, the... What's the fucking word? There's a word in screenwriting. The animating event, the... You'll fucking Google it. You may not Google it. You can fucking Google it. There's a term for the thing that kickstarts the engine of the plot, and it is the death of a young woman, and I fucking hate that. I think it's fucking terrible. Um, not terrible. It's just, like, overdone and feels so closely intertwined with the misogyny that is at the baseline slash norm of our culture that I feel like figure out something else. Make it a young man. You know what I mean? Like, does that related to that thing where it's like when you're including marginalized voices in making a thing you're not it's like the diversity isn't the only I'm so fucking tired dude I had nightmares all night after watching this movie and I'm like struggling to string together a sentence which probably means this is gonna be a long podcast and this is gonna be maybe a challenging one to get through for a number of reasons. Anyway, one of the things that you get by including marginalized voices in your, like, writing room or in, like, the work that you're doing is not just diversity for diversity's sake, which is a lot of the argument against, like, not just having straight white cis dudes everywhere, but, like, actually much more interesting shit, right? Because you haven't heard that same shit over and over before. Like, we know what straight white cis dudes think for the most part, right? Like, we get it. You've been telling us all the time forever. So... Um, yeah, that seems to be one of the things that straight white cis dudes are telling us all the time over and over, right? Is that they love to see a dead woman, um, period. But also to see a dead woman as, like, the animating thing of a plot. And, like, you know, I've been implicated here. There's a timeline in which I wrote for a TV show in which that was sort of the premise. And, you know, you can work with it. I don't think we need to have purity politics around it. I think we can totally kind of be like, that's fucked up about this thing, but that doesn't mean I have to throw out this baby with all the bath water that I was bathing it in. Um, or whatever. So, yeah, so there's things that are fucked up about Twin Peaks. Um, there's some Magic Native American stuff, there's Dead Girl stuff, there's, like, almost no characters of color. Um, you know, you can, you can build a critique of Twin Peaks if you want, but the shit that it does do well, which is like, I feel like people hate the term world building sometimes now, but I feel like I don't get that. I feel like it's a useful thing to talk about something that a thing is strong in. You know what I mean? I feel like the idea of world building, it's just, it's just an incredible world and, and I don't need to go on. Uh, if like, if you're going to talk about it, Imogen, you should talk about it. I feel like reluctant to get into what it is that David Lynch does well because it's annoying whenever anybody tries to talk about that because they're like it's weird and it gets to like the logic of our dreams and it's really compelling and dramatic and there's like contradictory emotional like tenors going on and uh, whatever all that shit um and like visually somebody somebody let's say somebody let's say it was a ghost in the mall said that was talking about David Lynch and was like uh, David, and then, in quotes, I have a sound design studio in my house, end quote, Lynch. Um, uh, doesn't surprise me that David Lynch has a sound design studio in his house, because the fucking, the sound and the shit that he makes is, is, is wild. It's so good. I've been talking so much vague shit about liking Twin Peaks for so long. Um, I didn't even, like, I don't even have a thesis about what was so good about season three, except that it had been gone for 25 years. Everybody was 25 years older. Wow, just... As another aside, like... It's kind of the premise of the return to uh, Wet Hot American Summer that's been going on as well. Like, the, the two Netflix Wet Hot American Summer, the return series that have been going on, sort of... They, I guess, play everybody is 15 years older for comedy, whereas... Twin Peaks really plays it for sadness and feelings and whatever. Not sadness necessarily, just like, you know, life is bleak in these ways that um, it doesn't shy away from, I guess. 
So, what the fuck? How to talk about... Uh, you know, I didn't really... I didn't make an outline about how to talk about Season of 3 of Twin Peaks. There's so much shit that happened that I don't even know how to talk about it. Basically, it moves really slowly. It's really beautiful. Um, if you stick with it and pay attention to how slow it is, you kind of get really, or at least I got really invested in the story it was taking its time to tell, um, which ultimately, um, how to talk about it, uh, there's lots of, man, do I talk about the bonker shit? There's lots of stuff about electricity, um, <laughs> Agent Dale Cooper, who's like our hero from the first series, uh, goes through an electric socket and comes out all fucked up for most of the season, um, he's like a weirdo. And then, uh, there's some, like, wild, just unresolved shit that happens. I don't feel like I need, uh, um, another season, actually. I feel like the end of season three was, was incredible, so I'll just, I'll just walk you through it. Um, a ton of shit happens for the first 16 episodes, right? And then, um, let's see, should I get back to that stuff after I talk more about Firewalk With Me, or should I, uh... I guess I can just go for it in one way or another. Um, I guess what I'll say before I talk about episode 17 is that um, Firewalk With Me, the ostensible subject of this episode, is, is it just chronicles this girl who, so the, the initial show opens up if you're not aware with this mystery of who killed Laura Palmer, right? There's this dead girl who's wrapped in plastic who walks, washes up on the shore um, of this town and this guy, I think his name is Pete, I think Pete finds this girl and it kicks off this whole uh, investigation in which we like meet all the weird people in this town and kind of get involved in their weird lives and the show itself was like really grim a lot of the time, but really goofy a lot of the time. It was sort of making fun of the idea of a soap opera while also very much being a soap opera, like to the point that there's an ongoing soap opera that the characters are watching in the show called Invitation to Love, whose events are like making fun of the events that are going on at the same time in the TV show Twin Peaks. It's like, uh, like, part of the reason it's hard to talk about is because talking about all the meta shit that is going on makes it sound so pretentious and obnoxious and boring and, like, why would I watch something like that when the reality is you don't actually need to care about any of the meta stuff for it to be compelling. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's there. Uh, so David Lynch and Mark Frost are the two, like, main people who are making it. David Lynch directs it and... I think does a lot of the, like, maybe final decision-making about how the show is going to go, and then Mark Frost, uh, I think he's involved in the writing and the sort of, like, the world-building and making the universe consistent and sensible, but David Lynch, uh, plays a central character named Gordon Cole, who's, like, the director of the FBI, which is, you know, just like he's the director of the TV show, casting himself as the director of the FBI, who, like, uh, one of the ghosts in the mall pointed out, like, often we'll just be like, so, you know, it's probably kind of busted the way they deal with hearing loss. I don't know. Um, it's probably safe to say that it's busted, but he uses a hearing aid. Some of the ghosts think that the hearing aid might be, not be real. Like, he might not actually need it. It might be a thing that he does something with for some reason. Regardless, he just, he does a lot of yelling. He yells most of his lines, and so it feels like the director of the TV show is playing the director of the FBI who's just, like, hollering plot points whenever he comes up, or, like, hollering exposition at the other characters. There's this incredible exposition dump, I think, at the beginning of episode 17, which is the second-to-last episode of season three, um, where, like, there's this... So part of what Twin Peaks does really well is they give you the story as it's happening right now, and they kind of leave it to you to put together the backstory that kind of connects it and makes sense and so like there's a lot of ghosts in a mall like talking a lot about like how does this connect to that like what does that mean and some of it is like bonkers conspiracy stuff like um you know if you take the fbi logo and you flip it over it looks like the weird like bulbous thing that's on the playing card that bob shows to what's her name or i guess cooper's doppelganger shows to what's her name 
that also kind of looks like the mother slash the experiment that also kind of looks like the owl symbol from the ring and the map. You know what I mean? Like if you haven't watched Twin Peaks, like I'm sure that sounded complicated and it might very well be complicated. Um, but so yeah, so part of what you've been getting for the first two seasons and most of season three, as well as some of Firewalk With Me is um, some of this FBI investigation, right? And you know that uh, Gordon Cole, who is the character that David Lynch plays, the director of the FBI, and Dale Cooper, who's like our hero, who's the main guy in the first two seasons and kind of the central, a central, probably the central figure in season three. Um, and this guy, Albert, who's played by, I can't remember his name, but he's great and he died recently. Um, you have these FBI guys who are uh, working on something called the Blue Rose Cases. Um, one of the ghosts pointed out that a dead girl wrapped in plastic whose face is blue. And again, I feel like I should spoiler warning so much of or not spoiler, fucking content warning so much of this, because that's so intense, right? Like, it's so easy to gloss over the fact that it's just this dead girl who's been murdered who is at the core of this thing, but somebody pointed out that uh, you know, blue face wrapped in that plastic, which is kind of blue in the morning light, looks like a blue rose. Um, you know that they're dealing, they're like investigating blue rose cases, and that there have been a few, and I think it's episode 17 where Gordon just like lays out what the blue rose is, and like what the history of it is, and basically what you find out is that there have been a couple of agents who went after like blue rose cases to figure out what's going on, right? Um, and they tend to disappear. There was one of the agents was played by David Bowie briefly. Um, we don't see him going after his Blue Rose case to investigate it. It happens before the series and the movie and everything take place. Um, but he shows up briefly for a second in Firewalk With Me. And then uh, Chris Isaacs, Isaacs, plural, unclear. Chris Isaac, maybe, um, plays another FBI agent kind of a weird thing. I guess they're both musicians. There's a lot of music in Twin Peaks and musicians, I guess. Um, anyway, Chris Isaacs is an, or Chris Isaac is one of the agents who is also, like, you see him disappear in Firewalk With Me. One of the interesting things about Firewalk With Me is that the first, like, maybe half hour of it is uh, the, what's his name? Dale Cooper is the main hero of all the shows, and the Chris Isaac character, his initials aren't DC, they're CD, but I forget what his name is. Um, but we, like, the first half hour of Firewalk With Me is his investigation into a girl who died in a place a lot, like, the opposite of Twin Peaks, where, like, law enforcement is mean instead of nice, and uh, all the townspeople are horrible instead of, like, charming the way they are in Twin Peaks. Uh we like see his investigation into this thing and then he winds up uh finding a ring in a pile of dirt and disappearing and then that's just kind of the end of his story and then we get into uh the last seven days of the life of laura palmer which is what uh makes up firewalk with me right um so yeah so it turns out blue rose cases are these weird murders of young women where FBI agents go to investigate them and then disappear. And there have been a couple of these. And what Twin Peaks is, is basically the story of Dale Cooper's investigation into the Blue Rose case, like, of Laura Palmer, told in a really kind of, um, I don't know, I feel like all the language you would use to talk about the structure is really boring. It's like, fractured, kind of, or like, disjointed, or like, not telling you the whole story, or... Again, all those words feel like they don't really do justice to the way the story is told, but the upshot is... What's the upshot? Um, season 3, episode 17, and I feel like such a fucking Ben Wyatt talking about it in those terms, but the second to last episode of the, the last season um, kind of just, like, gives you the impression that it's wrapping up all this shit, that it's, like, tying up all the loose ends that you want to have tied up, right? So... It seems a little bit like, it doesn't seem a little bit like, it's 100% reported 
in lots of different ways that I guess David Lynch and Mark Frost made the first season of Twin Peaks, which was like, I want to say eight episodes or 12 episodes, probably eight episodes. Um, it was not that many episodes. And then the TV channel that was showing the show made them reveal who killed Laura Palmer when I think the initial premise of the show was they were going to do a murder mystery and never reveal who the murderer was. Um, but they made them reveal who the murderer was. And so I, it, it sounds like maybe they both kind of drifted off for season two, which was a much longer season. They did like 21 episodes or however many is like a normal season, 23. Uh, and it seems sort of like season one, like you didn't, you, you got some flashbacks of Laura Palmer, I think, but she wasn't really a character, right? Like you don't really see her having agency. She's just this girl who got murdered. And, and you're a little bit like, this is, feels bad. I don't, you know, as, as I talked about, it's kind of a bummer that she's the inciting event. Maybe that's the term I was trying to think of. Um, so it, it feels like maybe like they did season one, season two got away from them. Um, and then I think David Lynch had said, like, I didn't feel done with Twin Peaks. Like, I kept wanting to work in, to be there. I, like, kept wanting to explore that. And so what he does in Firewalk With Me is that he puts Laura at the center, right? And she's this girl who um, is in high school, and she's, like, it feels to me like a relatively sensitive portrayal of a, um, a girl who's you know been a victim of of incest and sexual assault apparently for a long time maybe her whole life um and what you find out is that it's at the hands of her father but her father is also sort of being uh, either possessed or like doubled up by or um sort of replaced in a sense it's unclear exactly what the mechanism is but her father is kind of occupying the same space as this like demon person named Bob who's just this like guy with long gray hair in a lot of denim who will like climb in the window or hide like partway behind a bureau it's just it's really he's super unnerving um but what it's really about is that sort of two-faced nature of abusers right and how it just it, it puts the person who's being abused into an impossible situation and so Laura winds up she's doing a lot of drugs she's having a lot of sex with a lot of different guys she's like really um struggling to figure out how to live with the fact that this is what's going on right and um she to, to an extent she's doing it right she's taking a lot of drugs she's having a lot of sex um but I think that like she wasn't aware that her father was the one who was doing it because she thought like she saw this this demon slash like interdimensional entity kind of lodge, lodge spirit I feel like is a term that the ghosts in the mall would use um, named Bob right so that's the person she sees and then I think like maybe her dad isn't entirely present it's it's complex and I feel like there's an argument to be made that it's insensitive the way it goes to this like kind of metaphysical place but I think there's also an argument to be made that it's like an indirect way of talking about a pretty complicated thing that you know could be defended um anyway yeah like it feels to some extent uh like a, a really sympathetic portrayal of this girl who's in a really difficult situation and like struggling to get through it any way she can which means it's a grim fucking movie like it's it's not fun in in um in all three of the seasons of the show there's goofy shit going on and there's like fun stuff and there's people to root for um there's uh, one guy i think it's the dad from get out um plays a bearded stoner who's like lost in the woods for the entirety of season three and he's like like looking through binoculars the wrong way to watch a like kind of horrific death that happens um i guess that might not sound funny but it's kind of funny uh, unlike most of firewalk with me it's it's really upsetting and that's why I, like feeling so grim this morning it um 
I don't know. I don't know, like, I don't even know what else to say about it. I feel like it's a really powerful movie, but it's kind of your call whether you want to watch a really powerful movie about, you know, incest and sexual assault. But I guess where I'm going with this is that it, it feels like David Lynch was saying, I want to humanize Laura Palmer, right? Like, she was not a character. She was just a dead girl in the show. And so I want to put her at the center of the movie and sort of rehabilitate, to some extent, that decision to use the, the rape and murder of a teenage girl as the inciting incident in the movie, um, which I think is actually a really good instinct. Apparently David Foster Wallace wrote an essay about that, where that was his argument too. Um, I've only ever read The Wrong Things by David Foster Wallace, apparently, so I don't really understand him and haven't had any luck connecting with his work, but, uh, you know, there are ghosts in the mall who are huge fans, you know, so, um, I don't know, anyway, like, I feel like that's a really good impulse, right? And so, what winds up happening, uh, let's see, how to talk about this. Okay, so, going back to the second last episode of the TV show in, in the last season, what happens? So in Twin Peaks, there hasn't really been a theme of time travel, right? Um, it's one of the things that is like, maybe sort of been going on off stage, but they've never really like, I don't think they really use the term time travel, um, or I guess I don't know. Like I said, I haven't watched the first couple seasons in a long time, but like, there's definitely nobody being like, I'm gonna go back in time and do something, or like, I'm gonna, you know, use my time travel powers. It's all much more abstract. Like, the logic of how the weird shit that goes on happens feels much more abstract than that. Um, but I guess some of the background is that there are these things called the White Lodge and the Black Lodge, which are like metaphysical sort of meta locations that people can leave Earth and, and enter uh, at certain times when certain things are going on. I think they say um, the keys to unlock the, the doors to them are like either abject terror or like total love, something like that. Like total fear goes probably goes to the Black Lodge and total love goes to the White Lodge. But I think that probably breaks down because the Black Lodge, I guess it's called the Waiting Room. It's unclear what actually is the Black Lodge and the White Lodge. It seems like we see the White Lodge and its Waiting Room in uh, Season 3. I don't know if we ever get to the Black Lodge. They call the, like, sort of the iconic room with the black and white lines and the red curtains the Waiting Room to the Black Lodge, I think. Um, the Black Lodge is, like, evil place and the White Lodge is, like, good place, I guess, um, in kind of classic kind of racist, like, constructions of light and dark, um, or at least consistent with racism, constructions of light and dark. Um, so, okay, so, what happens? At the end of the second season, Dale Cooper, who is, like, our, like, very intuitive, uh, heroic FBI agent who wants to get to the bottom of the Laura Palmer murder, he, um, ends up getting stuck in the Black Lodge for 25 years, and so the, the third season, which was filmed 25 years later, is, uh, I guess it takes place once 25 years are out, right? And so, it's called Twin Peaks The Return, and it's, a lot of it is, like, him returning, I guess, well, not a lot of it is him returning. A lot of people thought, as it was being shown, that it was about the return, and to some extent it is, right? The, I think it's, he, he's been all fucked up, like I said. He's been in the role of this character named Dougie Jones, who's like, he works in insurance and wears a green blazer and just like kind of tentatively, tentatively repeats the last word that people have said to him in a way that kind of hasn't got by, but he's like barely a character. Um, and in, uh, I think, the third to last episode, he hears the name Gordon Cole on TV and he sticks a fork in a socket and he goes into a coma, which is like classic stupid soap opera stuff, right? But in, in 17, he wakes up in the hospital and it's like, shit, that's like, that's our Dale Cooper who we love so much, who's the FBI agent. Like, you know, obviously the FBI of Twin Peaks 
may not be the FBI of COINTELPRO, if that was the FBI. I forgot if that was the CIA. You know what I mean? Like the FBI are, it seems like they're, they're presented as pretty uncomplicated good guys in this show, which, you know, I can get with that. That's fine. Um, so Cooper's back and somebody's like, we gotta call the FBI. And Cooper's like, I am the FBI. And he starts like immediately like being very responsible to the other people who are around. And he figures out that he's gotta go back to Twin Peaks to resolve stuff. So he goes back to Twin Peaks and he resolves stuff. And, it, or at least he seems to resolve stuff. Um, and then I guess what's been, what's happened over the last 25 years that he's been in this sort of limbo place, the waiting room, is that he's sort of, so another thing that's going on in this show is that they're just all these weirdos. Um, Bob, the demon from the Black Lodge, is a weirdo. There's one named Mike who is a weirdo, and there's one named the man from another place, or the arm who is the, like, little person in the red suit who, like, dances backward to jazz, who is, like, another iconic uh, Twin Peaks character. This podcast is so fucking long, dude. I don't blame you if you're not listening anymore. Um, <coughs> I think what's going on is that Agent Dale Cooper, while he was in the Black Lodge, and then maybe while he was all fucked up by, like, squeezing through an electrical socket back to Earth, is, uh, he's sort of figured out some of the metaphysics of the Black Lodge, and sort of how some of these, like, Lodge spirits do the weird shit that they do. Uh, my friend Mordecai's theory has always, about Twin Peaks, and he's, like, a pretty hardcore Twin Peaks enthusiast, um, his theory has always been that Twin Peaks is not the hero's journey, it's the magician's journey. And I think the end of season three really backs that up. And again, dude, how much do I sound like a fucking Ben Wyatt right now? I hate myself. And yet, we must go on. It, he, he talks about how it's the hero's journey and... Or, no, it's not the hero's journey, it's the fucking magician's journey. And that winds up, like, being a bullseye in that second-to-last episode because what... Dale Cooper winds up doing is he like he goes directly to Twin Peaks he resolves some shit at Twin Peaks weird David Lynch stuff happens like we see some stuff where his while his face is superimposed over all of it which may be implying that it's happening in his head or a dream it's really unclear what that means um there's also a lot of stuff in the show about how like we're living in a dream and what happens when the dreamer wakes up but it seems like he resolves all this shit in Twin Peaks, like, um, he's got a, an evil doppelganger who was possessed, possessed by the Lodge Spirit, Bob, but then I think Bob got knocked loose from that doppelganger, and then this kid who has a really, like, powerful hand with a green rubber glove on it punches Bob to pieces, um, but Dale leaves, and he, like, goes back to the hotel room where he was staying in the first seasons, I think, and he uses it as a portal to fucking, and this is the part, literally, like, straight up, like, living with this show as, like, a part of my, like, personal cosmology or whatever, and just, like, thinking about it. At one point, I gave myself a tattoo on my ankle of the, like, symbol on the ring that a lot of people wear uh, that, like, shows up a lot and is the thing that, like, made the Chris Isaac character disappear, and Laura wears it at one point. It's like, there's this ring symbol that kind of is an owl, but it's kind of other stuff too. I gave myself a tattoo of that, and really like, you know, Twin Peaks has been a pretty big part of my imaginary since probably high school. I think I remember watching that shit on like VHS tapes before DVDs were really even a thing. So time travel, it turns out, has probably always been a part of what's been going on, right? Um, David Bowie, who played Philip Jeffries, who was one of the other FBI agents who disappeared in, in looking into a Blue Rose case, uh, he has this scene in Firewalk With Me where he shows up and he says what seems to be nonsense. He, like, shows up in the FBI office, he says some stuff that's, like, kind of impossible to follow, and then he just disappears, right? Um, and we're sort of, like... Okay, that's just some weird David Lynch shit, right? Like, David Bowie just showed up and said some fucked up shit and disappeared. And, and in retrospect, what it seems like was happening was that that character, uh, Philip Jeffries, was also 
ended up sort of going onto this magician's journey path where he's probably got some fucked up time travel shit going on, right? But it seems like for a person to get involved in this fucked up time travel shit, it's like pretty disorienting. When I was talking before about like alternate timelines in which like going from one timeline to another but moving to another where you've had different experiences and therefore your life is different, it seems like that's probably pretty understandably disorienting, right? So like it seems like part of the Lodge stuff that's going on and why people like talk backwards and, and that is that there's a real time travel thing going on and so all of which is to say after Dale Cooper solves all the shit in Twin Peaks or more you know like resolves a lot of the shit in Twin Peaks and then he goes into the door to the hotel room where he had been he uses that to travel back in time and to uh, intervene the night that Laura Palmer fucking died to keep her from being killed that night. Um, which like, I was fucking, I totally, like I was saying, because this, this show has been such a big thing in my life and the fact that it's based around the murder of this young woman and that feels bad um, has been kind of a, reluctant to use the word problematic part of it, but I guess that is the word for it. It's been kind of a problematic piece for it. The fact that Cooper fucking managed to find a way to do magic, to go back in time so that he could save Laura Palmer from being killed, like, okay, yes, is some white savior stuff, right? And also, fucking incredible. I was totally crying as I realized what he was doing the first time I watched that and, like, saw it happen. It was just, it's, it was so powerful. And like I said, as you like kind of devote time and energy to this universe they did maybe I've talked about this on the podcast before they did a study uh, I don't know probably a bunch of decades ago where they determined that the more hazing you go through to join a fraternity the more invested you are in your identity as a member of that fraternity um I think similarly the more work and time you invest in something like Twin Peaks the more I don't know, like invested in it, you are. And so being really invested in this thing and seeing them completely just like, not only, the fuck is rattling, not only like completely undermine the premise, right? But like, just like, oh, dude, it's so fucking noisy in this car. Not just undermine the premise, but like, uh, you know, address the, the thing that is really like the kind of, frustrating flaw at the heart of Twin Peaks. It feels like David Lynch was going one further than he was in Firewalk With Me in rehabilitating Laura as a character, right? And that's not actually what's going on, because she doesn't have any agency in the fact that Dale Cooper showed up to save her, right? Plus, uh, by like not having her go to the thing that she goes to that night, he's probably not actually saving her from all the, the things that were going on in her life, right? Like, she continues to be the same girl who's addicted to the same drugs, who's really, in, like, basing her life around having a lot of sex with a lot of different men that seems pretty unfulfilling to her. I may not have pointed that part out. I should be clear, having a lot of sex with a lot of men is probably not a bad thing, but if you're doing it in a way that's, like, making you feel worse than you did uh, before you're having that lot of sex, like, it's probably, you know, making you feel worse uh so yes that was fucking powerful shit right like uh, probably the best moment of tv that i've ever seen not that i've watched that much tv but i've watched a lot of tv uh so yeah so then by the end of that episode you're like holy shit he fucking saved laura palmer and the more you think about it the more you realize that that's probably not true and probably what that story actually is about right is like the story of the magician's journey in which like your goal is to become all powerful but what you wind up learning is that like uh, with great power comes great responsibility maybe or like
being like with power comes sacrifice or you know having the powers that you thought you wanted are gonna blow up in your face maybe that's an overstatement finding out that if you get what you want you might not like it you know what I mean just that it's a little bit more complicated than like willing yourself to power and then succeeding um, and the last episode of Twin Peaks really fucking drives that shit home, right? Um, because it seems to take place in kind of an alternate timeline. And there's a bunch of stuff going on that the ghosts in the mall could tell you about um, aside from this. But the story seems basically to be Cooper decides to... He, like, has the, the coordinates for a place that he can drive through to enter another timeline. And so he does it because he's... I think he's looking for Laura Palmer. What was going on? I feel like I'm missing something. Maybe he's removed Laura Palmer from this timeline entirely. And so he's going to another timeline where he can find her, right? And so he goes to this other timeline and immediately that thing happens where he's a different person because he's had different experiences. And so he's like, not the like kind of intuitive, like Zen, Dale Cooper that we all love who like listens to his heart and uh, tells people things like you should try to give yourself a present once a day every day um he's this much like grimmer dude who like he goes to a diner and these guys fuck with him so he just like shoots them in the knees and feet and then like you know he's a grim motherfucker and he doesn't seem disoriented. He seems like he's just like slipped into this timeline and then that's the, the Dale Cooper that he is now. So I think maybe his name is Richard. He's not even Cooper anymore in this timeline. His name is Richard. And so he drives down to somewhere in the Southwest, which is like the opposite sort of landscape of Twin Peaks, which is in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and he finds this timeline's version of Laura Palmer. And he's like, we're gonna bring you back to the house where you where like Laura Palmer in my timeline grew up and she's like uh, I guess I gotta get out of town like there's a guy who's been shot in the head in her apartment she's like okay I guess I'll go along with you um, she says something about like should I bring a coat which uh, Audrey Horn is a character from the first seasons that like fans all really like um, who doesn't really have much of a presence in this season except for this weird surreal thing that's completely unresolved where it seems like she's like hallucinating or dreaming and then she wakes up and she's in this like pure white room and we have no idea what's going on but she spends a lot of time in her couple of scenes in season three talking about getting her coat as well which seems like some kind of connection that the ghosts in the mall aka reddit probably could tell you about um but he winds up getting Laura and they, they drive their way up to Twin Peaks and it seems like maybe this actually is the titular return. Uh, they return to Twin Peaks, it's pretty grim, they go to the house and they knock on the door and it's evening and so this is a house that like, that figured hugely in Firewalk With Me, right? Like, Laura's a teenager, she spends a lot of time at home, it's where the bulk of the horrific shit happens. Um, and so it, too, is a pretty emotionally loaded location if you've been living with this stuff for a long time. And so the fact that they're returning to the house where Laura was, Laura's dad was, was doing this horrible shit like feels really like we're returning to the root of like what was going on in this house, right? It's, it's this really kind of powerful thing that as the, the clock is running down on this last episode, you're like, okay, shit, this is where the whole show is fucking heading to, right? And so they go there and they knock on the door and it's a woman that neither of them knows. And they're like, okay, but who lived here before you? And she talks to somebody behind the door and that person is like, uh, you've never heard of that. And it, it just, what they find out is that in this timeline, Laura never lived in this house. Laura, whose name is not Laura in this timeline, but I forget what it is. Uh, Paige, Carrie Page, I think. Um, Carrie Page never lived in this house. And so, the best scene is so good, dude. I can't do it justice with words, right? Like, one of the things that is powerful about this stuff is, is the visuals and the sound design. Um, they kind of, they walk into the street and they're both sort of confused and lost in this way where it's like, the disorientation of having switched timelines seems to have caught up with Dale Cooper or with Agent Cooper. And so he's like leaning over. He looks like he's gonna fall over or throw up. He's like all fucked up. And Laura is looking pretty um, disoriented as well. 
and then I forget exactly what order this happens, but Cooper is like, what year is this? Which sort of points to the fact that he's just, he's like disoriented in time the same way that uh, Philip Jeffries was, in the same way that presumably the Chris Isaac character is somewhere in some timeline somewhere. And then we hear a whisper, which the ghosts in the mall are pretty sure is a whisper that we've heard before. It's just, I think it's, it's the sound is Laura Palmer's mom in the original Twin Peaks saying, like whispering Laura, and I think she says, wake up. And then, like, Laura Palmer lets, like, the adult Laura Palmer in her kind of iconic jacket, um, new iconic, like, it's not a jacket she was wearing in any other timeline, I don't think. She fucking, she lets out this scream that's so incredible, and you see all the lights in the house kind of explode out, and then the screen goes dark. And I think that's that. And so I think what the ghosts at the mall have put together is this idea that like they have been talking a lot about um, we live inside a dream, right? Like what if we live inside a dream? And there's all these, there a lot throughout the third season, there's a lot of the sound of kind of crackling electricity and they're pointing a lot to electricity. They're like a lot of shots of power lines. And so the fact that the electricity explodes out in the house and the lights go out feels consistent with that theme. Um, and the fact that it's her mom saying, Laura, wake up, also feels consistent with this ongoing theme of, like, the idea that we're living in a dream and that, you know, what happens when that dreamer wakes up. And uh, it seems like the implication is that Laura is dreaming. Um, I mean, it's hard, right? Because I, I don't think what's actually going on is that it was all a dream, right? I feel like that would be pretty reductive and annoying. Um, but I think there's stuff about, like, you know, in the first season and maybe the second season, Dale, Agent Cooper has a lot of dreams in which he's visited by people from the lodge, right? It seems like going into a dream is sort of a way of, of leaving this reality and either going into another timeline or like parallel to all the timelines in a way that, you know, it's just about reality being fractured and weird or whatever. Um, but it's interesting because there's a lot going on with Laura dreaming in Firewalk With Me, right? There's this, um, one of the Lodge Spirits is named Mrs. Chalfont slash Mrs. Truffaut, I think. She goes by both names. She has this grandson. She's, like, a grandmother lady, and she has this grandson who's, like, a kid in a suit, sometimes wearing a creepy mask. Um, she gives Laura a foot, like, a eight and a half by 11 photo of a, a door in a frame to hang on her wall. And at one point, Laura winds up going to sleep in her room and going into that door and exploring the house that the door is into. Um, that's kind of a question of like, is this a dream or is this kind of leaving the timeline that you're in and going into either like alternate timeline or like lodge dimension or whatever. It's like, it's not clear, it's not super resolved, but I think Ultimately, it's just, it's, it's really interesting to think about such a, such an undergraduate way to frame your final thesis. It's interesting to think about, but it, it just seems like Agent Cooper is on this path of like, you know, being a magician, potentially even becoming a fucking lodge spirit, right? Like maybe that's where he winds up is being a lodge spirit and eating fucking Garmambosia with the lodge spirits because... There's a character named the Log Lady, who's another kind of iconic, weird Twin Peaks thing, who will talk a lot about, you know, my log says this, like, kind of metaphysical, indirect thing that's going to be a clue in figuring something out. Um, I think there's this heavy implication in season three that she was married to a fireman who either wound up dying or, like, sort of becoming that log, but also becoming the character who they called the giant in the, um, in probably season one, maybe the first episode, there's a giant who, he's like, it's happening again, um, which is like a iconic Twin Peaks line that was sampled by DJ Shadow, I think.
Jesus. It is happening again. Probably lots of other people sampled that line too, but um, 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 what are we saying? Seems like the giant was potentially a like person from our earth before he became like a lodge entity and he seems to be some kind of like embodiment of good and he does some like metaphysical shit in what seems to be the white lodge over the course of the third season so like seems real possible to me that cooper is in the project or the process of like maybe that's where the magician goes I don't really like it's one of those annoying theories that people have about Twin Peaks where it's like well there's no evidence against this so therefore it might be true because it's fucking David Lynch but <clears throat> even if he's not becoming a lodge spirit I think at least like he's he's definitely uh, on his way to becoming the magician right and there's a quote that gets said a bunch in the show that's about uh, what is it? Something something, one calls out to see, one calls out between two worlds, fire walk with me, that's about, I think, it's like a kind of obtuse description of, like, one of these lodge spirits kind of sharing space or a body with a person in a normal timeline, but also sort of going from timeline to timeline slash reality slash reality to reality or whatever. Um, it's just like the ending is super unnerving the ending you feel bad right um laura's life sucks agent cooper who up until now has been an extremely competent extremely like intuitive fucking hero uh in a lot of ways is is like completely bewildered and like doesn't even know what year it is um and like also like was originally trying to solve the case of who killed this girl, right? Like, solved it, and then figured out how to go even further than solving it by making it never have happened. And then just like, the, the more he accomplishes doing good in the world, the more like, fucked up and disoriented he is. So like, I don't know, man, it's all pretty consistent, I feel like. Um, I guess I don't have an ending. I don't have, like, I guess there's a lot of theses. What else can I say? There's some stuff about, like, and... God, there's, like, it's like a chaos spirit, right? I think I mentioned this. There's this thing called the mother slash the experiment. There's an episode that's episode eight of, of season three, S-O-3-E-O-8. Yeah, where there's just a lot of abstract shit going on and they're playing really like kind of abrasive classical music and there aren't really any characters or dialogue it's just a lot of like really intense visual stuff including like a, a bomb going off and weird like monster floating through space shooting a column of like gross stuff with bubbles in it that has the face of bob and a bunch of other bubbles and then like a like little like frog moth thing crawls into a girl's mouth it's a weird episode but it's really good um but that like mother slash experiment thing i feel like may be connected to this idea of this character named Judy who's introduced I think I think the first we hear about Judy is when David Bowie's character shows up in Firewalk with me the sort of weird nonsense stuff that he's saying he's saying like we're not going to talk about Judy we're going to leave her out of it I don't want to talk about Judy um and what I think uh Gordon Cole what I think, I think it's like the second to last episode when he's really like just laying out the exposition dump about what the Blue Rose stuff is. I think that's the point when he also mentions Judy as well. Um, he talks about it being like an ancient um, entity of like chaos or negativity or something. Um, they don't know that much about it. And then there's some Judy stuff in the last episode too, the diner where uh, Agent Cooper, as Richard goes and shoots the jerks, is called Judy's. Um, but, uh, like, 
maybe that's something they're opening up for a fourth season if they do it. I don't know. I'm not gonna talk about Judy. All right, truck nuts, all right, dick enthusiasts. That's the end of the episode, and as the world gets worse every day, don't forget we get to be okay with these fascists choke on the food of the hate that they braid to their lives are the only thing keeping them warm while they're chained to their bricks on the floor of the bay. This one is by Tender Defender. Please be gayer. Please figure out a way to be more trans for me. Abenaki people who are still here and who have been here for at least 12,000 years longer than anyone of European descent.